ho, Tudor-minded people. It's Philadelphia Carry for Tudor Time Machine. The word I share with you this week is unheedy. When the Queen is not by, I do love to take part in unheedy romping. Many of us ladies-in-waiting share a room near the Queen in the palace, and sometimes there are as many as 30 of us serving our Queen. We serve the table, the robe, the bedchamber. It is not the job of one or two. And when the sun is down, unheedy jumping from bed to bed is our pastime. A mickle of laughter and a mickle of pushing and unheedy cavorting. Unheedy. All right. How now, Tudor Files? What think you? If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. And we're here with Philadelphia Carey for Tudor Word of the Week. Don't miss a word and listen to the Tudor Time Machine Story Project. Jessica reads a chapter of Time's Riddle, and then my dear friends discuss the history behind the mystery. How diverting. So subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Thank you so much for listening. Tudor Files are an amazing bunch. Every one of you has the wit of Rosalind and the heart of Cordelia. Philadelphia, can you give us the spelling of unheedy, our word of the week? It is spelled U-N-H-E-E-D-Y, unheedy. And it means reckless, headstrong. And this word was used by William Shakespeare in a play that we probably all know well, which is The Midsummer Night's Dream. So we said in another episode that Robert Greene became famous for having numerous plot lines. But Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream can give any play a run for its money on the number of plot lines. How many do you think there are? Well, I mean, the feud of the fairy queen and the fairy king, the lovers, the mechanicals. I mean, that's at least three. Do you count the wedding of Hippolyta and Theseus as a fourth plot? I do indeed. Four plots. The royal wedding is the best part of the whole play. It is diverting and delightful, and it treats of those in high places. The lover's plot is rather sad. What do you enjoy, Gage? The silly low-born mechanicals. Well, I do enjoy Bottom and Peter Quince and all the mechanicals. I mean, absolutely. They're so fun. They're always a big hit. And I don't think I could call the lover's plot sad. I agree. I don't think of it as sad. Can you give us a summary of Midsummer Night's Dream, Philadelphia? Indeed. Duke Theseus and Hippolyta, queen of the Amazons, are planning their wedding when a courtier appears and asks the duke to convince the courtier's daughter, Hermia, to marry the man he has chosen for her. That lad's name is Demetrius, but Hermia declares she will not because she loves another fellow named Lysander. The duke, her father, insists that Hermia be obedient to him, but she will not. Hermia knows her own mind. Then the very silly plot of the mechanicals begin. This is a group of untalented workmen who wish to perform a play at the wedding of the Duke Theseus and Queen Hippolyta. And they try to determine the players, the parts, and all that sort of thing. Hermia and her true love Lysander decide to run away and meet in the woods. The man she is to marry, Demetrius, follows because he loves her truly too. He thinks it would be a pleasure to marry her. And her friend Helena also follows them into the wood because Demetrius once loved Helena and she hopes he will love her again. The fairies become involved and that's when the tragedy begins. 
tragedy? I never thought of it quite that way. Then, Gage, you have not watched with open eyes. The king of the fairies wants to humiliate Titania, queen of the fairies, because she refuses to give him a magical child. He sends his fairy servant, Puck, to create mischief. Puck has a flower that holds a spell to make people fall in love with the next creature they see. And so the queen of the fairies falls in love with one of the low-born people who has been turned into a donkey. It is most ridiculous and very embarrassing to watch. I believe you call this sort of thing cringeworthy. I close my eyes. But the deep tragedy is that Puck makes the mistake with his spell and the two lads both end up falling in love with Helena and no one loves Hermia. Hermia is baffled and distraught. The lads insult Hermia and give their affections to Helena. But Helena doesn't believe the boys suddenly love her. That would be impossible. She believes that they are mocking her. And then in the most tragic moment, oh, it is hard to bear. The two friends, Helena and Hermia, they, they turn on each other. Friends since childhood, Ningles. It is difficult to find such a friend, and the cruel Puck ruins their friendship forever. But Philadelphia, it all works out. They marry the person they love. They go to the wedding of the Duke and the Queen. They see the play and enjoy it. And even the fairy king and the fairy queen reconcile. Everyone is happy. It's a comedy. No. Hermia and Helena are not reconciled. They cannot take back the terrible words they have said to each other. I do not think that ending answers the terrible sadness I experience having seen this play. Oh, it made me hold my friend much tighter. No, but it's all a mistake. It's confusion. I thought you enjoyed that sort of thing, Philadelphia. Do not mock me. Not at all. Our Tudor word of the week is from a speech of Helena's. It's before Puck casts his spell and all of the really terrible things happen. Helena is already dejected that Demetrius no longer loves her, but loves Hermia. Now, does that upset you, Philadelphia? Not in the least. Demetrius is an obedient soul. And when he is told to love Hermia, he does. Many behave in such a way. It is the friendship lost that I cannot bear. There are so many plots in Midsummer. There's something that can deeply affect anyone, I guess. Shakespeare is pretty remarkable that way because his narratives invite so much interpretation. They're so elastic in a way. The audience, the director, the actors. I mean, there's room for everyone to bring so many different things to his plays. I mean, it's why I love to see Shakespeare over and over and over. I don't even know how many times I've seen Midsummer, And I I always find something new. Because one production will focus on one thing, the next on something else. The plays are just incredible that way. In this play, Shakespeare uses our word of the week, unheedy, in this monologue he wrote for Helena. Can you tell us about it, Philadelphia? Indeed. Helena is distressed that Demetrius, who once loved her, now loves Hermia. And she considers that she is as worthy of love as Hermia. What is fairness in love, I ask you? I do not know. Helena says, through Athens I am thought as fair as she, but what of that? Demetrius thinks not so. He will not know what but all but he do know. 
and as he airs, doting on Hermia's eyes, so I, admiring of his qualities, things base and vile, holding no quantity, love can transpose to form and dignity. Love looks not with the eyes, but with the mind, and therefore is winged Cupid painted blind, nor hath love's mind of any judgment taste, wings and no eyes figure unheedy haste, and therefore is love said to be a child, because in choice he is so oft beguiled. I think the image of love as a willful child is so perfect. It's, it's actually a great expression of love. Yes, Master Shakespeare was a fine poet, yet I find this play to break my heart. To my friends, I wish you not be subject to unheedy love. I wish that too. So give heed to the files. Bring some 16th century source to your vocabulary with unheedy. Listen in next time. Don't miss a word. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Thank <laughs> you.